You are now listening to Zakaic Podcast, proclaiming Jesus as Savior, Healer, Sanctifier, and Coming King. Blessed morning to everyone. I am praying that the Lord has prepared our hearts already to receive His Word this very morning. Last week, my wife baked a bread. She placed all the ingredients in a certain container and then had, a, had it check everything of it. And she said, in three hours, the bread will be ready. And so I was excited. But what happened after three hours was that the bread was there. It looks good. And when she sliced it, she said, parang may problema. Sabi ko, bakit? Sabi niya, parang pudding yung grain ng bread. And she tried to check the, the ingredients that she placed dun sa mixture. Sabi niya, I am suspecting that there is something wrong with the baking powder that I have placed. Probably it's expired already and I did not check the date. You know, no matter how small that baking powder it really affects the entire bread. It affects the entire bread. You bake a cake, the same thing. No matter how small it is, it affects the entire mixture. And as I was thinking about that experience, I thought of our relationship with God. And that relationship, as I have mentioned last week, is very foundational because it transforms our very life and it affects how we relate with other people around us. Take note that last Sunday, we started with a series entitled Relationships. And it's a play of words that gives us an idea that every relationship we engage with in the past, in the present, they all leave an imprint in our lives. They help us shape to become what we are, and they leave something deep within us, and it affects our very lives. And last Sunday, we discussed that the most foundational relationship that affected our lives, not only for the present time, but even for eternity, is our relationship with God, because God no longer has called us His enemies, he no longer calls us people from darkness, but He transferred us from darkness to light, and He called us His children. So as I mentioned last week that you are not just, you are for as you bear your name. You are not just Juan. You are not just Philippe. You are not just Mary. You are not just Anne. You are not just that name that you have, but above all else that you have in life, other than the position in your office that you possess, is the very fact that you are a child of the living God. That relationship is very foundational, and it affects the rest of the relationships we have around us in our lives. And so today we will be looking at how does that relationship with God that we have with Him how does that affect our relationship with each other in our respective home? 
within our respective family, how does that affect our relationship? So let's look at the book of Ephesians chapter 5 with verse 22 up to chapter 6, verse 9. This is quite long, but let's look into it intently. And I believe God has installed something so important for all of us today because every one of us belongs to a family. Nobody here was born without a parents. You did not just come out of a bamboo. We all came through a biological parents and somehow whether we are with our biological parents or not, there are people in our lives that we consider family. And so today, how does that affect how does our relationship with God affect our relationship with each other within the family? Ephesians 5.22, chapter 5.22 to 6.9. I will read from the New American Standard Bible 1995 edition. The Word of the Lord says, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be their to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. That he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, such that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Just as Christ also died, also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you is also to love his own wife, even as himself, and a wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, be obedient to those who are, who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. Not by way of eye service, as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, render service as to, the, to receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And masters, do the same things to them. And give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. May the good Lord bless the reading of his words. 
Now, I want all of us to listen very carefully because this affects every one of us. We're talking about relationships within the home. Paul started his discussion in chapter 4, actually, verse 1. I want us to look at chapter 4, verse 1, so that we would be able to see the bigger picture, okay? Chapter 4, verse 1, Paul in this letter said something like this. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you, I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Paul exhorted to the believers that they already have a new relationship with God. They are, not, they are no longer children of darkness. They are children of the light. They belong to God already. And thus, because they now are children of God, Paul was telling them, I implore you, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. In a simpler way of saying it, Paul was telling the believers that you live your lives as Christians. God made you his children. You live your lives as his children. Now, the question that we would be asking right now is, how then a believer must live that he will be able to exemplify that he is a child of God with the people around him. Now, there are five things that Paul mentioned here in, in the letter of Ephesians. And the first one, how does a believer walk? You look at chapter 4, verses 1 to 16, and Paul said, walk in unity. And in chapter 4, verses 17 to 32, he said, walk in the newness of life in Christ Jesus. He continued his exhortation in chapter 5, verses 6 to 14. He said, walk in the light. So we ask the question, how does a believer walk now? Because Paul said, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. He said, walk in unity. Walk in the newness of life in Christ Jesus. Walk in the light. And he continued with the advice in verses 1 to 5 of chapter 5. Walk in love. And then he said something like this also. If you look at chapter 5, verses 15 to 21, walk in wisdom. The passage that we are dealing with this morning falls under that category, walking in wisdom. So if you begin your study within this boundary of the text, walking in wisdom is the basis on how the believers shall relate with the people around him in the home. If you want to be wise or if you want to live your life for God, you got to live it in wisdom. Take note that always the point of reference in the Bible, when it mentions the word wisdom, the point of reference is God. It is not talking about the wisdom of men, as I have told you before. When we talk about a person as wise, lalong-lalo na pag translate sa Bisaya, parang pangit pakinggan eh. Maru ng tawana. Well, maybe the point of reference in that statement is the wisdom of men. But when we talk about wisdom in the biblical perspective, the point of reference is God himself. When we live our lives according to God's intention, then we are living our lives in wisdom. Take note. And specifically, Paul said in chapter 5, live in wisdom. And you can only live in wisdom, in the wisdom of God, if you are being filled by the Spirit of God. 
Because when you are filled by the Spirit of God, what happens? He gave advice to the believers within the relationships in the home. Now, there are three sets of relationships that Paul mentioned in chapter 5 and chapter 6. Okay? Relationships between husband and wife, relationship between parents and children, and relationship between slaves and masters. Because back then, they practiced slavery, not in our time today. So for our context, we will not be discussing the third set. We will discuss only the first two sets of relationship. Relationship between husband and wife, relationship between children and parents. Okay? So let's delve into the passage that we have read. Let's start with the first set. Husband and wife. Paul gave the advice first to the wife. The text tells us that Paul told the wives to submit to their husband. I take note of that. It's very clear in the passage. Wives, be subject or submit to your husband. In English translation, there is the word be subject or submit. That is a verbal idea. However, when I studied at the Greek text, I found out that there is no such a word such as that in Greek. It is just supplied in the English translation so that the statement will make sense. Wives, submit to your husband. Because in the Greek text, it only tells wives to your husband. Wives to your husbands as the church is to Christ. So there is no verb that says submit or be subject. But in the Greek text, it is mentioned that way because if you study also the following statement, Paul admonished the husbands to also be the head within the family. Now, let's look at the passage very carefully. Verse 22 and 23. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. The advice to the wives is stated directly with the responsibility of the husband as the head. As Christ is the head of the church, the husband is the head of the family. When you mention the word head, it has to do with authority. Just as Christ has the authority over the church, so as the husband has the authority over the wife. But there is something else that Paul mentioned here. He himself being the savior of the body. Since Jesus is the savior of the church, it is assumed by Paul that the husband would serve the same to the wife. He's not talking about spiritual salvation here. But Paul is drawing the idea that as a husband, you ought to be the protector of your wife in any matter of life. 
And once you are protecting your wife, once you are saving her from any danger, from any issues, from any problem, then you have the authority to have the authority. And out of that authority that the husband is assumed to have, because he is believed to have the authority as Christ has with the church, then the wives would respond to that authority as they submit to it. Now, here is the thing. In the text that we are studying, submission is not stated as automatically. Once you become a wife, you submit right away. There is an assumption to that idea. The assumption is that the husband is doing everything he can to protect the wife and exercise that authority in a manner that is exemplified by Christ when he exercises his authority over the church. Hindi to ibig sabihin sunod-sunuran na kahit iba yung ugali ni husband, kahit ang pangit-pangit na ng senaryo, I will submit. Pag sinabi ni husband na kumain ka ng damo, kakain ka rin? It's not like that. The assumption is that the husband is exercising his authority under the supervision of God. That is why when you look at the statement, be subject to your husband as to the Lord. Oftentimes, the text is read with an assumption that the wife will just submit to the husband as to the Lord, but it assumes the idea that the husband is submitting to the Lord also. It is important to take note about this matter. Submission is a very important role that God has for the wives. It's the design of God. When your husband, while he is trying to find out God's will, while he's trying to lead the family, while he's trying to save the family and the wife especially, then he is exercising the authority that God has given to him. And the wife must submit, must respond to that authority. That's how a relationship from the perspective of the wife within the family, that's how she should view, I'll submit to my husband who is given by God with his authority. And as my husband would exercise the authority of God, as he leads our family, as he protects us from any harm and danger, I'll submit to him. Now, after saying that advice, Paul mentions something here about the husbands. Take note, husbands. You have a very huge responsibility. That is why if you look at the proportional spacing of the text, yung advice ni Paul para sa mga wife, Nasa verses 22 lang hanggang 24. Look at your Bibles. Only in verses 22 to 24. Ilang verses yun? 22, 23, 24. Three verses. Here is the advice for the husbands. Beginning with verse 25 up to verse 33. Ilang verses yun? Ang dami. 
Paul was very careful in elaborating the responsibility of the husband because it affects the submission of the wife. Okay? The wife is designed by God as a responder. Now listen very carefully to what Paul advised the husband in relation to the wife. Sabi ni Paul, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Husbands, love your wife. Love. Love is the advice of Paul. Being filled by the Spirit of God, Paul wrote this down and mentioned that, Husband, you ought to love your own wife. Let me clarify that. Don't love the wife of the other man. Love your own wife. Love your wife. And the statement doesn't end there because there are specifications of this love. But here is a very fascinating thing that I have discovered as I look into the Greek text. When I look at the word love, it's a verb, a plain verb in the English language, also in Greek. The word love in English would just be perceived as something that an emotions, a feelings, that an affection that you show to your spouse. But love in that particular text, it says it means to demonstrate love that is characterized by a high regard. In other words, husbands, we are admonished to love, to demonstrate. The word love here is a verb, and that verb really denotes a strong action. Why? It tells us to demonstrate, to demonstrate that feeling that we have into our actions. It is not just a word. It is a word that conveys a demonstration. And what is the point of reference? Just as Christ loved the church. Listen very carefully. And this will be repeatedly mentioned. When Paul admonished the wives to submit to the husband, take note of the preposition, in the Lord. Wives, submit to your husband as unto the Lord. Okay? Take note of the prepositional praise, as unto the Lord. And then he advised the husbands. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. So love your wives as Christ loved the church. Submit as unto the Lord. Later, with the children, he said the same thing. The point of reference is always God. So husbands, love your wives. And the word love demonstrates the love, the emotions that you have. We don't just tell our wives, I love you. Unya, imong awayon. Imong pancing bag. It is not love. You don't just tell your wife, I love you. But you don't even show gentleness to her. You don't tell your wife, I love you. But you go home to another woman. It's not like that. Because the word love here, from the Greek understanding of the text, there is an idea of demonstrating the love that you have for your spouse. So, 
An emotions without a demonstration is not, is not love at all in the scriptural context. I'll repeat. An emotions without a demonstration in the context of love is not love at all. It requires us to demonstrate it to our spouse. No wonder if you connect now the advice of Paul to the wife and to the husband, take note that there is no verb in the Greek text, the word subject. It just assumes the idea that the husband is exercising his authority, being the head of the family. He exercises his authority and demonstrates his love to the wife. And it becomes a response of the wife to submit to the husband who demonstrates his authority with love. Husbands, take note of this very carefully. As I am exhorting this to you, don't think of your friend. Don't think of your compare. No, no, this is for you. This is for me. This is for us. Wives, be subject to your husband. Husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church. It requires demonstration. It requires, siguro yung mga bagay na ginagawa ng husband and wife. Show it. What is sad right now, the way I observe it? Because I worked for a long time with the youth also. The young people, when they fall in love, they are very expressive. Very expressive. Kung kanos ano na minyo, Maupod na wala ang ekspresyon. It should not be. Kaya nga, pagdating sa mga parks, may mga ibang naglalagay, no PDA. What PDA stands for? Public display of affection. Why? Many times, it's the young people who go to those places and display their affection for each other. It's not good to look at. Why? They are not husbands and wife. But for the husbands and wife also, somehow, the way I observe it, the affection is gone. It must be demonstrated, as mentioned in the text. Now, let's proceed to the children. Ephesians 6 1, a very popular passage. Children, obey your parents. Take note of the prepositional statement, in the Lord. Take note of that. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, here is a, something that I have discovered in my study also with the word obey. The word obey is not a blind obedience that the parents will tell, eat grasses, and the child will eat grasses. That the parents will say, steal from our neighbor, and the child will steal from our neighbor. This also denotes a responsibility from the parents at the same time. The word obey in verse 1 of chapter 6. This verb means to obey on the basis of having paid attention to. I'll repeat. The obedience, the word obey in chapter 6 verse 1 is actually a result of giving attention 
to the instruction. In other words, when Paul admonished the children to obey the parents, there is an assumption that the parents explained it properly to the children. Not only why they must obey, but that particular thing that is being instructed to the child. And when you look further on the idea of parenting, because later he said, do not father, do not provoke your children, but lead them in the instruction of the Lord. If you look at that idea, Paul is having the assumption here that the father, the parents, are bringing their children into the instructions of the Lord. And when he says to the children, obey your parents, he means to say that the parents already have instructed properly the children. I am guilty of this at the same time. There were times that my child would ask, Daddy, why do I need to do this? And I would say sometimes, Basta, you just obey. I'm not saying that children ought to talk to their parents and question their parents. That's not the point here. The point of the matter is that children are to obey their parents assuming that their parents are exercising their God-given authority to their children in a manner as God intended it to be. Children, obey your parents, meaning to say, listen to your parents and do what they tell you, assuming that the parents are doing and telling you what to do on the basis of God's authority and wisdom. Children, obey your parents. And then he added something there. Honor your father and mother. Now, this is not very clear in the text, but this is how I, I try to bring this into the realities of life. Why did he separate the idea of obedience and honoring? Here is my, a possibility that I have seen here in this text. Paul is admonishing the children to obey their parents while their parents are still the ones feeding them. While their parents are still the ones spending for them. Obey your parents. But a day would really come when your child will no longer stay with you. They will have their own work. They will have their own business. They will have their own mind that they can wrestle with and they make decisions. That time will come. Are they supposed to obey the parents? I think the advice to them by then is honor your father and mother. While you are under the jurisdiction of your parents, while your age is not yet ripe, while they are the ones feeding you, spending for you, obey your parents. But when you are already old, when you are already having your own business, when you are the one feeding yourself already, don't forget that there is still a statement for you. You honor your father and your mother. When you say honor, it means you put the person in a, with a high regard. Children, when you are adults already, sons and daughters, 
when you are adults already. Do not disrespect your parents. Because sometimes when you are an adult already, you think that you are obsolete already. You think that your parents are obsolete already and their ideas are no longer significant. That's why you no longer, sometimes even you disrespect them in the way we answer them. But the advice is honor your father and your mother. No matter how old you are, no matter how much salary you have, no matter how much money you have in your bank account, because your business is growing tremendously, honor your father and mother. That doesn't change the matter. Here is a very alarming thing that I have observed among Filipino homes today. The idea that whoever brings much money in the house is the king in the home. That sometimes it is translated to the authority within the home. That sometimes it is translated as someone who is to be respected. Ako rabay na kuwarta dari balay. Ako dapat ang respetuhon. And I have the authority not to respect others. It's not like that. The amount of money that you bring into the home doesn't change the design of relationship within your home. God tells you to honor your father and mother, no matter how wealthy you have become already. And then there is another advice here for the parents as represented by the father. The advice is that fathers, verse 4 of chapter 6, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Do not provoke, but bring them into the instruction and discipline of the Lord. The point of reference is again the Lord. And the idea here is that do not take the idea as do not provoke separately from the idea of raising your children in the instructions of God. These two should be taken as a pair. Do not provoke, but bring them into the instruction and discipline of God. Parents, how are we disciplining our children? Are we doing that on the basis of the scriptures? Or are we doing something on the basis of our emotions? The very sad thing is that often parents would discipline the children out of the emotions. I grew up with a father who really is a very disciplinarian. He counts one, two, three. And there is no number three. One, two. You don't obey Right away, something will land on your skin. But as I was observing that among parents, I'm not saying that you take away discipline in that manner. What I'm trying to tell you is this. When you discipline a child, don't do it out of your emotions. Daghang bata ang kulatado sa ginikanan. Because the parents are disciplining the children out of emotions and oftentimes out of anger. What's the strength of a child? 
I am learning that also. Because I'm a parent. And my default was the thing that my father did to me. There was even a time that my father held my hair with his one hand and the other hand was formed like this. And I could not imagine what would have happened to me if he continued punching me on the face. I'm not saying that my father is bad and I regret on how he raised me up. That's how he knew a child should be raised. And I was raised with a discipline also. But is it a discipline that is according to the word of the Lord or according to the emotions? Take note of these parents. It is very important that we bring our children into the discipline of God. Why? I mentioned this before already. If we bring our children into the discipline of God, they will develop conviction. If we discipline our children based on our emotions, they will develop fear. Not fear of the Lord, fear of the parents. I'll repeat. We discipline our children based on our emotions that when we are angry, kolatado sila. We develop fear in their hearts. We discipline our children based on the word of the Lord. They will develop conviction. And the conviction is developed when it is developed, it plays a very important role in the lives of your children. Why? When there is fear, there is a high possibility that they will obey when you are there. But when you are not around, there is a possibility of disobedience. Why? Because you are not there. Ikaw yung kinatatakutan nila. E wala ka. There is a possibility of disobedience. But when conviction is developed because you have raised them and disciplined them with the instructions of the Lord, conviction is developed whether you are there or not. They will make decisions based on their convictions of the heart from the word of the Lord. This is a big challenge for all of us. You know, Valentine's Day is coming. Often, relationships that are being talked about our sweetheart's relationship. But I think Valentine's Day should rem remind us of every relationship that we have in life. First is that we are related with God. We are God's children. And that relationship we have with God should affect our relationships within the home. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. And then children, obey your parents. Father, uh, obey your parents, honor your mother and father. Father, do not provoke your children, but bring them into the discipline and instructions of God. This is given by Paul, and fascinatingly, when you proceed further in chapter 6, you will find out that in the latter part of the chapter, you would see that Paul is advising the believers to take the full armor of God. Take the full armor of God. What is he talking about here? He's talking about relationships within the family. And now in the latter part of chapter 6, you would see there that he is advising to take the full armor of God of, to all believers. Why? Why does he advise us? Because the full armor of God has to do with spiritual battle. Why does he advise us to be cautious always that to be in a in to not, to not slacken ourselves in the spiritual battles in life? Why does he say that within that context of the relationship within the family? The idea is this 
Because even in the home, spiritual battles can happen. Have you not observed? In our society today, the very thing that is attacked by Satan is the family. Because when family is disintegrated, when family is destroyed, society is destroyed. I tell you. That is why if your family is disintegrating, take note that Paul is admonishing us to take it to ourselves, to take the full armor of God in chapter 6. Because even in the home, a spiritual battle can happen. Even between husbands and wives, a spiritual battle can happen. When pride is taking place deep within, when you are beginning to lure someone, when you are beginning to run after someone else than your spouse, that's a spiritual battle. And when you allow that to happen, it will disintegrate the family that God has entrusted to you. Children, if you don't honor your parents, there is a spiritual battle happening in the home. That is why, unlike some mga military men or uniformed men, when they go home, tinatanggal nila yung mga baril nila. They don't sleep with guns attached to their body. They don't sleep wearing uniform. pag sa bahay, they'll remove. But you cannot do that in your Christian life. That when you go home, you would say, Ako na ning tanggalon ang ako ang armor of God. Because this is my home. No. Spiritual battles can happen even in your own home. That is why Paul is saying in chapter 6, we are not against flesh and blood, but we are against principalities and forces and powers of darkness. When your family is integrate, disintegrating, it's the work of the enemy. When your husband is running after someone, it's the work of the enemy. When you are tempted by someone, it's the work of the enemy. If you have a financial problem because you are not managing it well, it can be an insinuation of the enemy luring you into temptations that you have not refused. That is why, whether you are outside of your house or you are inside of your lovely home, do not slacken. Always wear the full armor of God. Don't let the enemy destroy your home. Because whatever happens in your home does not only affect the society today, it affects even the next generation. I have counseled young people with so much problem in life. And one of the things that I was able to trace problems within the family. It is manifested in the school. It is manifested when they are in the church. It manifests wherever they are. Parents, you have a heavier responsibility coming from God. Your family is a treasure given by the Lord to you. Protect it. Protect it with your life. Don't allow the enemy to disintegrate your family. Treasure that relationship that God has given to you. Because in the first place, you are a child of God. Let that relationship with God affect your relationship in the home. God bless us all and good morning. You just heard the message from Sambuanga City Alliance Evangelical Church. 
We hope that it will help you in your journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. For more updates, you can follow us on your social media platforms in Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Zikaek Ministries. God bless!